Well, we're blessed tonight to have a very outstanding minister come and minister to us. Call, anointed. <laughs> After the Holy Spirit, this is the help of my life. Hallelujah. And uh, most people would have no idea what this lady does behind the scenes in the ministry. She has worked night and day, sometimes too much, sometimes too far, but wants it right for the Lord. And uh, God gives her such wonderful, rich things. Don't you enjoy how the Lord uses minister? So reach your hands out this way. Father, we receive Phyllis tonight as your minister. And we pray your hand and anointing be strong on her. We ask for utterance to be given her. Help her to yield to your spirit. Give us ears to hear it and a heart and eyes that see it and receive it. And we'll give you the glory. We'll give you the thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Thanks for all you do. Thank you. Thank you. He's the best. Yes, I get the best. Glory to God. Well, you can be seated. It is Tuesday night. Glory to God. So I want to put that verse on the screen real quickly, and then we're going to do something different and uh, let you see it, because it was the verse that I had intended on starting with tonight and let you see exactly what it says. It's Matthew 5, 14. So if we can, in the King James, put that up real quick. And then we'll go right into something else, and it'll help you to understand. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Verse 15. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick. Right? And it gives light to all that are in the house. Okay, in verse 16. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven, which is basically what that song said. Now, before we go any further, I want them to show you a quick video. So they're going to put down the screen and show you a quick video.
thought about this marriage meeting, of course, for a long time. And I, I don't want to, you know, I could get up here, of course, and outshine Keith and be real analytical and real technical and real <laughs> theological and real all those things, you know. But that's not me. I want to do what I know is the thing that we deal with every day. I want to talk about the things that if we have a normal day around here, it's what we deal with in marriages. If we have a normal day around here, we have talked to somebody on the phone about their marriage, whether it's a minister across the United States in another place or whether it's somebody that comes in here and they're dealing with something in their marriages. I don't want to just do something just to say we had a marriage meeting. I want to do something that's going to be the thing that when you go out of here, it's going to be the thing that you think, okay, yeah, that's what she said. She stepped on my toes and I didn't wear my iron, whatever you call those things, boots. What is it, Gerald? Steel-toed boots, yeah. But maybe I should have, but I remember it, you know, and it's helping me today. I remember, how many of you remember when you got saved? Keith can tell you, when I got saved, I didn't care if I ate or if I slept or if I drank, or if I did anything, I wanted to tell everybody everything I knew about the Lord. How many of you, was that you? You wanted everybody to know what you knew about the Lord. Because He was good. And you knew, you didn't know anything about Him hardly, but what you did know was He was good. You remember that? You remember that time? What happened? You were, when you got saved, you were this great, big, bright light that every place you went, you were like down that street, and every place you went, you were shining so bright that everybody knew you were a Christian. And you didn't care who knew it. But now, when you go into a place and they ask you, kind of what you do, you wouldn't want to tell them, you know, you're a Christian, or you do this, or you, you kind of tuck it under the covers just a little bit. So what's happened? What happened to us? When you go down that street today, it's still dark. Or even darker than it used to be. So we, there's a little 15-watt bulbs, and there's, you know, somebody help me out here, there's 500-watt, is there a 500-watt bulb? Yeah. Yeah. There's big bulbs. I don't know what they are. But there's great big bulbs, you know, that shine spotlights. I know there's a big, we have a big spotlight up there. Man, it shines bright. And, you know, some, some people's lights are brighter than other people's lights. But what happened from the time that, that a person gets saved to where they want everybody, they don't care who knows they're a Christian, they got their Bible out, they got it sitting on the dash of their car, they got stickers all over their car, to a few months later, or a years later. What happens? Look with me, real quickly, at 1 Timothy 4. Verse 1. The Spirit clearly says that in the latter times, Keith was talking about the olden times. This is the latter times. Some will, what's the next part? Abandon the faith and follow deceiving spirits and things taught by demons. Such teachings come through hypocritical liars whose consciences have been seared as a hot iron. 
What happens to people? Why do they shine like a light bulb, don't care about anything but telling people about the Lord when they get saved, and then all of a sudden they don't really want anybody to know that they're a Christian? What happens between here and here? It's called life. And what happens is, when you get saved, it's really, really, really easy, like the day that you get saved, for you to resist sin. It's really, really easy that day for you to say no to somebody coming to your house and saying, let's go do drugs. You remember the day you got saved? Think back. The day that you got saved. It's real easy for you to tell somebody, no, I don't want to go do drugs with you. Or... No, I don't want to look at some sex-filled video with you. You remember that day? Would you have looked at a sex-filled video that day that you got saved? Keith's not preaching. Y'all, I'll just stop. Remember me. (laughs) I'll just wait. Would you have done it that day? No. No. Would you have taken a bunch of pills or or, uh, drank a bunch of alcohol and got drunk? The day that you got saved. What happens? It's gradual steps away from God. It's gradual things that people start doing and they start getting farther and farther and farther away from the Lord. Instead of, like Keith said last night in Romans 2, about being transformed to God, people get transformed back to the world again. Instead of building up themselves more on God, we have a choice in this life. We build up one part of our life on God, or we build up one part of our life on the world. It's like a scale. You have a choice. Which side are you going to put the most weight on? Are you going to put the most weight on this side, which is the God side, or are you going to put the most weight on this side, which is the flesh side? I think we talked about that sometime or another in the church. And if we feed the God side, then we can stay strong when people come to us and and they want us to go and watch something we shouldn't watch or they want us to take something we shouldn't take or, or they want us to smoke something we shouldn't smoke or they want us to do something we shouldn't do. We're strong enough to tell them, no, that's not me. I don't do that. I'm a Christian. And we don't mind telling them we're a a Christian. But then as time passes... And we begin to do things and pull away from God just a little bit and maybe start watching more things on TV or start going places that we normally wouldn't go. Then our consciences begin to get seared. And what bothered you yesterday that you didn't fix doesn't bother you as much the next time. And then it doesn't bother you as much the next time. And then it doesn't bother you as much. And the devil is just sitting there just grinning from ear to ear. Because he knows he's pulling us further and further and farther and farther. And however you say farther and further. Away from God. Now I want to give you some stats real quick before we go a whole lot further. Farther. Today, in our society, 
drugs. And I, I kind of counted out last night how many people were sitting on the front row. And I thought, I can't hardly believe this. Drugs in the normal family. And they just said just your average family. Not in like the inner cities or anything like that. Your average family. One in four families have drug problems today. One in four. So that would be one of these people have a drug problem. Do you understand what I'm saying? One in four families today have drug problems. Okay. The next thing is alcoholics. One in eight have a problem with alcohol. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight have a problem with alcohol. One of these people would probably have a problem with alcohol. The other, sex addicts. Now, I was shocked when I read this. It has risen in the past four years by 60%. It says that six out of ten people look at Internet porn. Six out of ten look at Internet porn. So that's, if you count here, okay, where did we stop over here? That's six out of ten. Y'all are in trouble. Okay. So that's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Perfect. Okay, so uh, we'll skip every other one. Y'all are in luck. So one, she does it, he does. She, you know, uh, you understand what I'm saying? Six of these people here are on the Internet on a regular basis looking at porn. Do you understand that? Gambling. 3% of our people are addicted to gambling. Addicted. Said it messes up their daily lives. 3%. Anorexia and bulimia. One in a hundred people have anorexia or bulimia. One in 25 have eating disorders of some kind. So we can do a count again. Do you get my picture? Now, I would like to stand up here tonight and say, this has not affected the church. But in the last two or three years, that's all we've dealt with is these sorts of problems in the church. And guys, how are we going to change the world and let our little light shine to the world and save the world and affect the world for change if we're having this many problems inside these doors? How are we going to save the world from being sex addicts? How are we going to save the world from being drug addicts? How are we going to save the world from being gamblers? How are we going to save the world when we know every person in this room right now knows the answer that this word will fix their problem? How many of you know that? Every person in this room knows that. But how are we going to affect change in the world if we ourselves are letting ourselves yield to this stuff? It's an epidemic in our lives. It's an epidemic. I can remember a time when you could turn on the TV 
and you didn't have sex thrown in your face. Nowadays, I feel sorry for parents with young teenage boys. We deal with youth all the time. When I see that Victoria's Secret commercial, it's like it used to would have been you, you would have seen on the Playboy channel. And if somebody's having problems with sex problems, and they have to watch that sort of stuff, it's like what Keith said. You shouldn't even go down that street, much less have to deal with that stuff. And here's the problem in the church. People are pretending. They're pretending they don't have problems. They're pretending everything is okay. And they come to church on Sunday and they smile and they act like everything is okay and they're going down the drains. And the next thing we know is we've got one spouse sitting on this side of the church and the other one divorced and sitting on this side of the church, married to somebody else because they had an affair in the middle of the week and they're sitting over here and they're sitting over here. Or we got a youth telling us, my mom left my dad for another woman. These things ought not to be, guys. We are the church. And we know how to avoid these problems. But just knowing something is not going to change it. Just because we know what this book says is not going to fix our problems. I'm happy to stand here in front of you today. And the reason that I can stand here in front of you today and tell you this in front of this camera and the whole world, I've never had sex with another man in my whole life but that man sitting right there. That's the only man I've ever been with in my whole life. But now the reason that people can't say that, whether it be a pastor or whether it be another church or whether it be people, is because that's not happening anymore. We're hearing it all the time. But why is that? People did not just wind up in bed with somebody else. It didn't just happen that they walked out of the church one Sunday afternoon and wind up in bed with somebody else. It started the day you got saved. It started the day that you said, I accept you, Jesus, as my Lord and Savior. What does it mean to be a Christian? Christ like Christ like so many today are they've gone past just the fun of it the devil has got them addicted to these things at first they thought you know I just enjoy this you know I'm just going to look at it for just a minute see what all the rage is about but now They're addicted to it. They have to have it every single day. Whether it's the drug or the alcohol or the sex or the porn or the affair or whatever it is or the other woman or the... But do you know, it's never enough. So at some point or another, just exactly the same way that you got to that point by taking one step at a time, one step at a time, One step at a time. We've got to reverse it. And we've got to start going backward. And we've got to start taking our steps backward. 
Do you know what happens when people pretend? They leave the door wide open for the devil to destroy them. Do you know there's a difference between a one-time mistake and a lifestyle of something? A one-time mistake means that you did something and you repented for it and you've never done it again. That's what repentance is. You made a mistake. The devil convinced you to do something. You looked at something or you did something with someone and you went too far and you made a mistake. And you repented and you've never let it happen again. That's repentance. That's true repentance. Or you took drugs or you did something that you knew in your heart wasn't a good thing to do, that it would mess up your little light as it went down the road. See, the problem with this is the devil doesn't want to just destroy you. He wants to destroy this little light that's inside of you. He wants to destroy your Christian witness. Because how many of you think you can witness immediately after that you've drugged out or or smoked pot or drugged out of your head? How, How many of you feel like you can just immediately witness to somebody? How many of you think you can just immediately witness to somebody after you've just had an affair? You've got all the confidence in the world to do it, right? Or you've been gambling all day and you spent all your week's money. You just don't have any confidence left. You've lost all your confidence. And that's the very thing that the devil is after. He's after every bit of the confidence that you have to steal your faith, to steal your witness, to steal everything about you. But the thing about these things are the pretending causes you to act differently. The pretending causes you to pull away from God even further. The pretending causes you to act like you're mad at God when God is your help. God's the only one that's got your answers for you. God's the one that can help you do that back step thing. How many of you, I won't ask if it was you, so we'll, we'll, I wouldn't make you raise your hand. How many of you today know someone that is addicted to something? One way or another. Let me read you a verse. 1 Corinthians 6.12. This is the NIV. You say it's no big deal, it's no big deal. Let me read you this verse. 1 Corinthians 6.12. It says, um, maybe I have a different translation and didn't get it right. I have the right to do anything, you say, but not everything is beneficial. I have the right to do anything, but I will not be mastered by anything. To me, that's the definition of addiction. When you can do anything and stop it at any time, that's not addiction. But the minute that you have to have something, you know, there's times in my life, even like coffee, you know, I'll say, okay, enough. I remember, Keith can tell you, I used to drink so many soda pops a day. I think at one time I I worked at a bakery and so I got addicted to Cokes or, or Pepsis or something. I forget what it was. And I was drinking like 20 a day or something like that. That's a lot. Yeah. Don't whistle at me. But I was. I was. I, 
I was drinking a lot. And I remember I told Keith, I said, I'm going to quit drinking Coke. And I cut them off. I don't drink Coke now. I mean, I can't remember when I've had a soda of any kind. Because I don't want to be mastered by anything. Now, don't get me wrong. You can do whatever you want to do. Now, I used to, I did, I used to watch a lot of TV. I used to do a lot of things. But you know what? I'm just going to be selfish here. I didn't quit for your benefit. I quit for my benefit. And it wasn't to impress you. It was for me. Because the more I watched that stuff, the more desensitized I became. And I liked hearing from the Lord. I liked being able to have my heart clear to where if there were decisions that needed to be made, if there was an answer that we needed, if there was revelation that we needed to do something, I liked my spirit clear. Do you understand what I'm saying? And even some Disney shows, I'll say, "Mm, I'm, I'm not into that one, you know? I don't like to put my heart to where after I watch something, I feel, ugh. I don't like to go places and be around things that after I'm done with it, I come away and I tell Keith, I don't feel good about that. I I don't, ugh. I don't want to go there, ugh. Because the Bible tells us to guard our heart with all diligence to guard it. Because out of it are the issues of your whole life. And the devil is doing everything he can to get in here and get to your heart. Because if he can get to your heart, he's got you. And he don't just want you. That's what you have to understand. He wants you. Yes, he does. But he don't just want you. He wants everybody around you. Because let me go into my next step of explaining this to you. When people pretend, they think they have it hidden. They think that no one knows what they're doing. They think they are masters of deception. But the bad part about this is, anyone that's very spiritual can pick up on it right away. And let me tell you why. Because you're not just doing things in the flesh. You are a spirit. And things are spiritual. And these places that you're going or the things that you're doing are spiritual things. When you're saved, you're a spirit. And people that are spiritual know immediately what's going on in your life. And people think, I've got it really good and hidden. And it's like I tell the youth all the time. You can hide it from your spouse. You can hide it from your sister. You can hide it from your husband. You can hide it from your wife. You can hide it from your neighbor. You can hide it from your friend. But you ain't hiding it from him. Because he's a spirit. And he sees everything that we're doing all the time. 
And he's never going to judge you for what you're doing. He wants you to look at it and say, this is nasty. I want out of this. I want to do something different with my life. And the thing about it is, most people do. They just get so far in, they don't know how to back out. They don't know how to get out of their situations. And what happens when they do that, they never want to admit they're doing anything. So what happens is in their marriages, and this is what we see all the time, they begin to blame the other person because they want to get the focus off of themselves. So they begin to blame the people around them for what's going on in their lives. They begin to take their frustrations out on their job because they have no patience. They've stayed up all night long looking at stuff they shouldn't be looking at. Or they're drugged and they have no patience because they've been drugged and they don't have their drugs or or just whatever it is. And so everybody around them begins to get the brunt of what's going on in their lives because they're not guilty of anything. They've deceived themselves now. And here's the part that I wanted to get to. You are messing up your life. But worse than that, we've been a church long enough now that we have had kids take on the exact same traits that their fathers had. We dealt with their fathers years ago. Then we dealt with their kids in school. The father's doing this thing. He's being promiscuous. He's looking at porn. He's doing this. He's doing that. We're having to go to the school and deal with the situation with the child doing these very same things. And do you think that the father is telling the child he's doing these things? Do you think he thinks he has these things really well hidden in his life from his kids? It's not about natural sides of things. It's about the spiritual side of things. People forget that they're spirits. And these spirits are very comfortable in that house. And these kids are comfortable around those spirits because they live in that very same house with them. So parents are handing down these very same spirits basically to their kids. It's not genetic. It's spiritual. And it's time we as a church cut this stuff off, break these things in our households, stop this stuff once and for all. It's time that we be spiritual enough to say, no, I'm stronger than this because greater is he that's in me than he that's in this world. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. The problems that people are having is because no one wants to admit that anything is going wrong, so they take all their frustrations out on the other person to cover for their missteps, and they're fighting like cats and dogs. Or if they do find out that there's a problem with the other person, it just really throws their their marriage life off because now they've got something to hang over their head for the rest of their lives. 
you're going to give me everything I want for the rest of my life because you had an affair. So the headship of the household is gone because you've got something to attack them with the rest of their lives. So it throws the whole, it eschews the whole thing of marriage because there's no repentance and there's no forgiveness in marriage. Do you see how quiet it is in here? And I wish I could say it was because we're talking about people on the outside. But we can't. Repentance and forgiveness has got to start here in our own homes. Here in the church. So that we can go outside of here. So that the world can see how awesome it is to be a Christian. How awesome it is that God will take care of your marriage and your kids. And Brother Hagen used to say this all the time. I, I, Keith, help me if, if I get it wrong. There were some parents, and they had been away from the things of God, and they had been going awry, and, and their kid ran away from home and was doing some drugs and doing some crazy things. And Brother Hagen said the Lord told him it wasn't any wonder that their kids were doing that. Look at what the parents are doing. And he said, if the parents will come home and come back to God and get back hooked in, then the kids will come back to God and get back hooked in. Well, it's the very same thing in our households. Parents are just frustrated at their kids for what they're doing, but it starts at the top. It's the same thing in churches, the spiritual heads and people. It's, it's the very same thing. Families and kids and stuff. You've got to start with your life. Kids are going to hear what you say, but they're going to do what you do. They're going to do what people do. And you can pretend that they don't see the drugs or the gambling or the alcohol or the porn or the affairs, but they sense the spirits behind that. They sense the things behind these things. And who in here would not die for their children? Would not give their life for their kids? Somebody raise their hand if you you wouldn't do everything you can. Well, why would we want to destroy our kids by setting these things as a path that they're going to go on? They're going to follow in our footsteps. They're going to follow what we do. Wouldn't we want to back up and repent? And if we do that, get our lives straight, get our lives back on course, then it's clean. It's a clean slate. And that gives God a clean path to start our kids going in a different direction. Give our kids a way of escape. We don't have to live these lives. Why did Cain kill Abel? because of guilt in his own life, because he didn't do what he knew he was supposed to do. Why do people get mad at the other person? Because they're in guilt, because they're not doing what they're supposed to do. Do you? Let me give you another stat here. One in four women suffer physical violence. One in seven men suffer physical violence, and one in eight kids 
suffer physical violence. Now you say, okay, I understand. But it's just been this way for a long time. And I did it because they won't do what I want them to do. And I'm just tired of it. But see, that's the thing about marriage and it's the thing about life. It's just the funniest thing. You don't have control over your spouse. And that's where I think people have gotten in trouble about marriages. Is they think just because they're married, they can demand that the other person do exactly what they want them to do all the time. And it doesn't work that way. It's the same thing. People are are trying to treat their spouses like they're treating their kids. When a child gets to be 14 or 15 years old, you shouldn't be spanking them. They should be at an age to where uh, you should be able to talk to them or or ground them or do something different about it or take time out to do something different, you know. But you shouldn't be spanking them. It comes a point in time where it has to be handled differently. Well, it's the same thing with a husband and wife. There shouldn't be a continuous fighting amongst yourselves about a control issue. It's got to be a decision made once and for all who is going to be the head and who is going to follow. Well, the problem is it's so lost in our society that we don't have that anymore and it's so lost in what's going on in the home that nobody thinks they have to obey because this one is doing this so I don't have to listen to them anymore because of what they've done. I don't have to hear what they have to say because of what they did. So we have no structure in our homes anymore and our kids are growing up and they're thinking, I'm gay or I'm homosexual because my mother has control and I want control because they they don't see the structure that the family is supposed to be in. Because maybe the guy has messed up or maybe the mom has messed up and they don't see the way that a structured family is supposed to be laid out. In the structure of a family, the wife is supposed to submit under the husband. Well, when, say, he messed up, well, she feels like she has all the control now. It messes up everything in our structure. Does that make sense to you? Okay, let's do this. Let me just give you some examples. I wasn't going to because I don't want to offend anybody that might be listening or something like that. So, but I'm going to. (laughs) Through the years, we've dealt with a lot of situations. And when a person is in a marriage and you've got a, a husband that continuously is dissatisfied with a spouse, with either their appearance or what they're doing or they want them to change, have physical surgeries or or do all these things to change completely who they are, you've got a problem. Or if you've got a spouse that is a continuous person that is telling you Let's see a better way of putting it. Um, 
They want to keep their thumb basically on a person telling them what they can do, where they can go, all these things. That's a problem. But then on the flip side of the coin, when you've got the other spouse seeing how far they can take things when the spouse asks for something like, don't dye your hair red, don't go buy this, don't go shopping at this thing, don't spend this much money, don't do these things. You have torture and torment in a home. And that's what's going on in most homes is you've got one spouse that's going completely one direction and the other spouse that's completely going the other direction. And when you met, you thought you knew them. And a few years later, they want this and you want this. Well, what happened in that situation? It's the very same thing that happened when we were talking about your light shining and the very first start. You started going your direction. It's like what Keith was talking about last night. You started doing your thing and going over here, and he started doing his thing and going over here, and there was a separation in the marriage. It was two different lifestyles and two different visions going on instead of one vision going in the same direction. So people start seeking things outside of the spouse that they have. And that's where we've got to start getting things back on course. And all these things come back to you finding your way backwards to finding out when you were saved. How many of you got saved after you were married? Just a few. And so that presents problems in parts of the, the situations because your lives are different. You've got ones raising their hand that they were saved before and ones raising their hand that they were saved after. And you've got situations where people are trying to build their lives on two different visions, two different hopes, two different dreams. Look with me at this. Go ahead and go with me to Mark 14. I want us to get to a, a path where we can do something different here in just a second. The devil's game is condemnation. And he wants us to lose our witness to everybody that we have. He wants us to lose what light we have to everyone that we're around. And if he can get Doug to do drugs, and he can get Denise to have an affair, and he can get the next person to do something... But if we can figure out the source that we know it's the devil and we can figure out how to build our marriages back to where they were when we got saved, then we can be a light for the world to see. We can be the light that they want to have a marriage like ours. But we've got to stop and back up and go backwards and see the things that are causing these things in our lives. Start with if in dealing with situations, you've got to go back. If you are having problems, say, for instance, with drugs, go back and get rid of everything in your home that has any semblance of drugs around it and, and get away from every person that you know that does anything related to that. Break all your friendships with people that have anything to do with that sort of thing. 
If you've had a problem with the gambling stuff, get away from your computer that has anything to do with gambling. You may have to get rid of your computer if that's the case. Uh, if you have a problem on your TV watching things that you shouldn't watch, then it's time to pull that TV out of the wall and put it beside the curb and get rid of it. Do you understand? Sometimes you have to take steps backwards in order to go forwards. You need to get rid of anything that pulls you in the direction of that. You may have to leave everything you've got there to get away from that situation. But you need to get away from the situation that you're in to pull away from the drugs, the porn, the sex, the affair. And don't get me wrong, we've dealt with people a lot that have had affairs, they've done stuff, and they come to us crying, saying, you know, I know it's right. I know that I have to separate from them, but it still hurts. It doesn't make it easy to have to pull away from those people because you've built an affection to that person. You've begun to enjoy being around them. You've begun to want to be there with them. But you still have to do whatever it takes to pull away from that situation and break yourself free from those situations because you can do it with the grace and help of the Lord. But what you have to do is change your focus. Instead of focusing on these things, you have to focus on the things of the Lord. You have to get your scale back in balance again. You have to get your word out instead of your TV out. You have to get your Bible out and tapes that are talking about, I'm free in the Lord and I have victory over these things. And in your control series, instead of watching something on TV that's got half-naked people having affairs that cause you to go out and have an affair or to cause you to want to do those sort of things. You cannot play with this stuff. We want our kids to grow up healthy and strong. We want our kids to be vibrant and be successful in their lives. We want to be able to minister to our families. We want to be able to minister to the people that we're supposed to minister to. But if we're failures ourselves, who is going to want to come screaming through the doors to have a godly marriage? Because they see our marriage is exactly the same as every person that they work beside. They know you're a Christian and you're having an affair with them at work. How's that going to work? Do you think they're going to come to church with you on Sunday? It's not going to happen. Do you think you'll be able to witness to them then and get them saved? I'm going to tell you another story. You know, I, I, I keep hesitating. The reason I keep hesitating is because I keep thinking of these stories and these situations, but I don't like embarrassing people. We have a friend. One day, I, I, talking about the Spirit leading you, I knew some things were going on, and I woke up one morning, and I told Keith, I said, we've got to get up this morning, get in the airplane, and go and get her. And he'll tell you it's the truth. We got in the airplane. We went there to get her. We showed up there, and she just broke down in hysterics. She's married. Her husband is a pastor. Okay? And I said, what's going on? She said, I was working a secular job. This happened. This delivery guy came in. We had sex. This happened. And as soon as we had sex, he said, I knew you weren't really a Christian. I knew that was just all phony. Did that happen? And that's what they're seeing Christians as. The devil is setting traps. And he's wanting us just to fall right in them. 
We don't have to fall for his traps. But we have to back up way farther than that happened that day. That didn't just happen that day. That happened weeks and weeks and months and years before that. It happened by thinking about it and getting upset with her spouse and saying, He doesn't care about me. He doesn't love me. He doesn't appreciate me. He takes me for granted. And thinking on things she shouldn't be thinking on and watching these soap opera shows that this person is just the best thing in the whole wide world and he treats that person like gold and there ain't no human in the whole wide world that has a perfect marriage. And you watch those shows and you set things up in your mind and then you go have an affair with somebody. Do you know that this paperwork said more women have problems with affairs than men do? Why? Because they sit around and think how they're mistreated or or how they're neglected or how they're abused. That's pity parties. And it's feeling sorry for ourselves when we've got the greater one living inside of us that gives us everything we could ever want and ever need. He's the best that there ever was. And if you need something, he can kick your husband in the tail and say, get up off your rump and take care of her. That's my daughter. And he'll do it too. He'll say, you're taking her for granted. Get up from there, Dave. Take care of Kim. Get up from there, Keith. Take care of her. He'll do it. But it takes you doing your part. We cannot let the devil win in our lives. Let me ask you a question. When you do these things, or anybody, maybe not you, we won't assume that it's anybody in here, but when a Christian does these things, and you saw that little light traipsing down the road, what do you do with that little light? Do you turn it off? Do you stick it under the bed? Do you put a cover over it? What are you going to do with that little light? That says you're a Christian. I mean, it's shining pretty bright when you go into one of them buildings in there. What do you got to do with your light? When you're doing these things, you've got to be ashamed that you're a Christian. You've got to be hiding that you're a Christian. You've got to snuff your own light out to do these things. Now, it's not bad enough that we get mad at the devil for trying to put our light out. We put our own lights out to do this stuff. Now, that's bad. We don't want to be that way, guys. We want to be the brightest light that we can be for the Lord. We want to be the greatest light that we can be. We don't have to live this way. We want to take back what the devil has stolen from us. We want to be shining lights all over the world. You saw what happened at the end of that video. It wasn't just him going or her going. She was gaining people with her. And that's what we want to do. Look at this verse with me. Mark 14, 38. You know, when people get under too much pressure because of accusations or because the other one's not doing what they want to do, what usually happens... When something's under too much pressure, there's an explosion. 
And that's what happens in marriages when there's just too much pressure. You can only hide stuff for so long. And then there's an explosion. And something's going to give. And sometimes it's just too late and too far gone to get it back. We don't want that. We want things to stay stabilized. To where we don't lose any more marriages. We don't lose any kids. We don't lose any youth. We want to stabilize some things. Can we do that? Yes. Okay, Mark 14, 38. Watch and pray. Lest we enter into temptation. The spirit truly is ready, but the flesh is weak. The Message Bible says this. Stay alert. Be in prayer. So you don't enter the danger zone without even knowing it. Don't be naive. Part of you is eager and ready for anything in God. But another part is like a lazy old dog sleeping by the fire. Now, is that true? When the Lord deals with you, get up, read your Bible, listen to this word. Get up, do this, listen to this. What do you feel like? That lazy old dog. You just don't want to mess with it right now. But you know what? He's trying to protect us. He's trying to get us built up to where we can resist something that the devil might throw at us that way. That he, you know, he, if he was to send some pretty girl across Doug's path, he'd say, oh, no, nah, I got that prettiest woman at home. Right. You know? You wouldn't feel torn. you got something inside you that you're strong enough to resist things like that. You know... I have down here on my paper, if you play with matches, what's going to happen? You're going to get burned. If you, we, in, we lived uh, on a creek bank. My daddy used to say this all the time. If you play on a slippery creek bank, what's going to happen? You're going to fall in. And if you lay with fleas, what's going to happen? You're going to get bit. Okay. I, I don't want us to um, leave things on a bad note. I want you to understand this. Read Romans 11.29. I want you to understand who our Father God is. I want you to understand His heart for us. This is unamplified, guys. For the gifts and His call are irrevocable. Look at this next part. He never withdraws them once they're given. And he does not change his mind about those whom he gives his grace or to whom he sends his call. That's who our Father God is. It doesn't matter what you've done in your life. You may have made some of the worst mistakes ever, but that's what we have repentance for. That's what we have 1 John 1, 9 for. Again, it's not a one-time occurrence or a two-time occurrence or even a three-time occurrence. It's a lifestyle. It's a time of cutting things off that we've done in the past and going forward with the things of the future. You can't correct what's happened in the past, but you can definitely correct or change what happens from this moment forward. 
You can make your life totally different today than what it was. But you have to take steps to do that. You can't stay on the same path that you were on. You have to not go to the same places you went before. You have to not see the same people that you saw before. If you have a problem with gambling, you shouldn't take trips to Vegas. (laughs) Do you understand that? If you have trouble with, and and don't kid yourself. People say, well, I can go to bars and witness to people. Most people shouldn't be in bars if they're Christians because there are spirits in those places that you shouldn't be coming in contact with. You're not going to most likely eventually win those people. They're going to most likely win you because you're on their turf. There's spirits in those places that would do anything in the world to get your Christian self. And you shouldn't go to certain places. You shouldn't be in certain places. You shouldn't go down like that scripture says, down even the same street with those things. I tell Keith, we, there's a part of town that is in Sarasota. And I say, I don't even like to go to this part of town. Now, I know some of the people that, that, that do that sort of stuff don't have a choice. They've been, what's the word, kidnapped and all these other kind of things. But I call it Hookerville. <laughs> I do. Because you can feel it. You can feel the spirits when you drive through there. And I pray for them, I do. But I don't like going through there. And I don't think people should go through there if they're Christians. Unless they need to be there for some reason. Why? Because you hang out in places like that and those spirits want to get on you. You shouldn't be hanging out in places like that. Because you ain't as tough as you think you are. I don't care who you are. Spirits can be, evil spirits can be bad dudes. And if you've had problems in your past histories with, with things of drinking or drugs or alcohol or sex or porn, you watch where you go. You don't go to that part of town. You go around it if it takes you an extra hour to go to another part of town. You don't go to a job where that girl works or that guy is. You find you another job. You believe God. You'll get paid extra because God will honor you. You find something different. Guys, we've got to come up to another level. We've got to save our kids. We've got to be able to... It would be the most wonderful thing to see Christians hold their head up high. Instead of walking into places kind of like the rest of the world. Because they're so condemned and so beaten down. We don't have to be beaten down. We are the light of the world. We should be on the top of the hill with our light shining bright for everybody to see. Start with monitoring what you're watching on TV. There are spirits in that stuff. Who is your hero? Who is your other heroes? Is it some Hollywood hero? Can you name every Hollywood star and what they do and where they go? And, or can you name Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Daniel, Moses? Do you know more about the Hollywood stars or do you know more about Daniel? 
If you spend more time studying the Hollywood stars than you do our patriots in the Bible, you're going to have troubles. Because your scale, isn't there a scripture in Revelation about they were weighed in the scale and found wanting or something like that? Somebody could find me something about it, I'm sure. I, I can make up one. <laughs> Wait, weighed in the balance and found wanting, isn't there something? Daniel? Yeah, I knew there was something about it. Yeah, yeah. Thou art weighed in the balances and art found wanting. I don't want to be weighed into any balance and found wanting. You know? I want to be weighed in the balance and my God side of me just goes, put it on. Because I've kept my flesh under so much that there's no chance of it outweighing the other side, that there's no chance that it might be close. You understand what I'm saying? I, I don't want it to be a chance. No chance at all that, that they put on the scale. Well, his flesh side is really close here. Uh-uh, uh-uh, uh-uh. I want the God side to go donk. There's not a chance that my flesh is going to outwin my God. And that's how we have to be. If we're putting Hollywood and that TV and everything else above God... We need to find out who our Bible characters are again. Get in there. Find out about Daniel. Find out about Abigail. Find out about Deborah. Find out about our Bible people again. And if you don't know who those names are, shame on you. He says don't say shame on you, but anyway, shame on you. Because I guarantee you, you know who Julia Roberts is and you know who half the people in Hollywood are. Do you understand what I'm saying? We've got to do a turn in our lives. We've got to get our lives turned around for God. We've got to get our bodies turned around for God. We've got to get our churches turned around for God. We cannot continue going in the directions that we're going and let the devil have all of our marriages, our kids, our families, our churches. We have got to make a change for the Lord. Can you say amen? We're going to sing, Let Our Little Light Shine. And we're going to stomp our feet. We're going to turn our heads. Stand up with me. testimony somebody read maybe you read it Monday night about the man that got free 
but had a bunch, 20 years of problems that he'd had with things. And what, what's the name of that message that we put as one of the featured messages on the website? What? Victory over weakness. The Lord gave me utterance specifically on that some time ago in another part of the country. It's called victory over weakness. Is that, did I say it right? And uh, the scriptures that the Lord quickened to me, one of them is, if you can find it, I don't remember the reference right now, but um, that the Lord works in us to will and to do of his good pleasure. Well, now, to will is the desire and the will to do it. To do is the ability to do it. You can be in a place, a child of God, can yield to the flesh to the point where a big part of you, thank you, a big part of you wants to do the wrong thing. Is everybody awake now? But even if you've been losing the battle because your flesh has just been dominating you, you can start here. If you're willing to be willing. I mean, this is as low as you can go. Where you don't even, a big part of you don't even want to do the right thing. You can pray this prayer. We're going to pray it. We're going to release faith. And how many believe the Lord, greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. And nothing's too hard for the Lord. Lift up your heart, say it out loud, Father God. I do love you. By faith. I choose your will. No matter how I have felt or what I have done, otherwise, I say it by faith. I delight to do your will, O God. And I pray this prayer from the scriptures. Work in me. To will, to desire, to do your will, and work in me the ability and the strength to do your will. I receive it in Jesus' name, and I say, by your grace, I will please you. In this life. Oh hallelujah. Lift up your hands. Hallelujah. How many know the Lord loves you? He may not love everything you've done. But he still loves you no matter what. How many believe the blood of the Lamb. Can cleanse from any. Any failure. Any sin. Do you believe it or not? And if you're clean. You're clean. Come on, is it true or not? Can he make you clean like you have never sinned? Like you, it, can he? I've had people look at me and, and, and I've had men look at me and women too and say, yeah, you don't know what I've done. And I said, yeah, and you don't know how powerful the blood is. Because <laughs> there is no sin or failure more powerful than the blood of the lamb. Oh, somebody say, thank God, thank God. Thank God for the blood of the spotless Lamb of God 
that washes away, takes away all sin stain, all unrighteousness, all condemnation, so that you can stand before the Father as clean as though you had never sinned. It's not too good to be true. It is the gospel. It is the truth about the blood. Oh, thank you, Father. 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 This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.